Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. All right, so thank you for tuning in to Chopping at the Bit. I'm Kyle Litters, of course. Uh, appreciate you, you know, checking out the show. So in this episode, I'm going to talk about the coaching carousel in the NFL because all the jobs have basically been filled at this point. There's only one, but uh, that's the Vikings job, which looks like it's going to go to Kevin O'Connell after the Super Bowl. So we're going to uh, go through the nine openings that were uh look at how each team filled the position look at where that you know uh new coach is coming from but of course i'm going to talk about the coaching situation i'll have to talk about the whole brian flores aspect to you know the this round of coaching hires you know analyze that situation talk about that for a little bit but um yeah i'm gonna going to spend this episode talking about the new coaches as well as Brian Flores. So I think before we really look at the you know coaching jobs that were filled, should probably start with talking about Brian Flores. If you don't know what happened, uh, Brian Flores has a lawsuit ready to go or has already filed it or whatever against the NFL and three teams believe those teams are the Giants, Broncos, and the, I just had the third one to a bunch of Giants, Broncos, I can't remember the third team, oh, Dolphins, I believe, yes, so, Dolphins were his previous employer, I mean, he's basically, um, you know, alleging, you know, that he was, I guess, wrongfully fired from that job, which makes sense because he was there for three years. I think he had at least two out of the three years where, uh, you know, the Dolphins finished over 500. This past year, they finished with nine and eight. But um, it seems like from the team's perspective, you know, he didn't. You know, philosophically work with what they're trying to do because I think Flores wanted to get rid of Tua the organization wants to keep Tua and make him the future or something like that um, Broncos and the Giants were because of once he left the Dolphins and he was you know looking at those two teams to interview felt like he didn't get a fair shake which with the Giants we know well I think the Broncos was first because I believe uh, Flores is saying that, you know, John Elway was like drunk or something, wasn't really serious about the interview. Giants was, they had basically given the position to Brian Dable before they interviewed Flores. 
And that's where Brian, um, Bill Belichick gets into the story because Belichick messaged Flores about congratulations on the Giants job. Only to realize it was the wrong Brian. He had to send it to Dable. So Flores understood going into the Giants job, to the Giants interview, he wasn't getting the job. So, you know, felt like it was a sham interview, which, you know, the whole Rooney rule was put in place to, you know, kind of get do away with situations like that because with the Rooney rule, each team has to, you know, interview a minority candidate, but you can't just do a sham interview. It's supposed to be like a legit interview process, which we saw with uh, Eric Bieniemy when he interviewed with the Saints job. It was like an eight-hour interview, and, you know, they really went through the process. So, like I said, I understand what Flores is doing because he's he was clearly – you know, too good of a coach to lose the Dolphin job. And then he was, you know, the same coach that was too good to not get one of these job openings that they, you know, that just opened up. Of course, with the lawsuit against the league and stuff, maybe some teams, well, some teams clearly pulled away from him because of that. Now, I saw some places where people were saying that uh, Brian Flores is probably done as a coach in the NFL. To be honest with you, I can't really say that because I could easily see if he goes somewhere, you know, he becomes a defensive coordinator again, proves that he can run, you know, a good defense and all that. I feel like in a couple of years or so, all this blows over and then he probably gets back out there into the coaching circle again. Or if it is maybe the end for him, you know, maybe he goes on and becomes a college coach. I don't know. But I'm not going to say, like, this isn't completely, you know, end his career as, you know, coach, whether it's NFL or college. Uh, So I guess with that, you know, that's pretty much the Brian Flores situation in a nutshell. Uh, So let's go ahead and transition into the openings that were and how they were filled by who uh, first job that that was open was the Bears job the Bears were moving off of Matt Nagy who after you know a few years of you know not living up to expectations they finally moved on from him they brought in Matt uh, Eberflus I think I'm pronouncing that last name right who's the former Colts defensive coordinator. This hire doesn't really move the needle for me. I mean, I guess I understand that the Bears' strength is their defense. So I guess they brought in a defensive guy to just one, further solidify the defense, maybe take it to another level. So the key here. And usually with these defensive coordinators who get head coaching jobs, the biggest deal is going to see, well, the biggest deal will be who do they get to be the offensive coordinator and make sure that that's running smoothly because there are times where defensive coordinators get jobs 
and then they put the wrong guy in an offensive coordinator, which then looks uh, bad on them, and they end up losing some of these jobs prematurely. Like I said, doesn't move the needle for me, but um, for uh, Eberflus, Eberflus, how you say it, number one priority there. Uh, figure it out with Justin Fields, which is why I said it's going to be key for him to pick the right offensive coordinator because Fields had a rough start to his career. Um, he's going to need a offensive coach, quarterback coach, you know, that kind of operation where they take advantage of his skill set. You know, come with a playbook around his skill set. Nagy seemed to get in trouble because uh, he wanted Fields playing more in the pocket, whereas Fields is more of a scrambling quarterback. Second job was the Broncos' job. They moved off of uh, Vic Fangio, who had a couple of subpar years as well. And they brought in Nathan Hackett, who's the former. Packers offensive coordinator. So now with this one, we understand probably part of the reason the Broncos went with Hackett is they're hoping that if Aaron Rodgers decides to leave Green Bay, maybe Denver becomes a spot that he looks to go. And now he knows that his offensive coordinator is the coach there. So it wouldn't be too much of a transition for him. So... I feel like that was the reason why the Broncos went with Hackett. Now, if Aaron Rodgers doesn't go there, the number one key for Hackett's going to be, I guess, what do you do offensively with Bridgewater? Is Bridgewater the guy there? Uh, We already know that Drew Locke isn't the guy there. So do you go back into the draft, get a young guy, give him the keys day one? draft a young guy, stick with Bridgewater or another veteran type for a year, then move to the young guy next year or well, the following year? Or do you, like I said, try to work a trade for Aaron Rodgers, maybe Russell Wilson, something like that, and go from there? Now, of course, Hackett's getting this job because you know, the offenses in Green Bay have been pretty good, at least in the regular season. Now, playoffs have been a little bit of a different issue, but for a team like Denver, where they they need an offensive mind to get in there and try to figure it out with this offense, because there's pieces there. You know, Jerry Judy, you know, he was hurt a lot this year. Uh, was it Cortland Sutton, Tim Patrick? You have Melvin Gordon in the backfield, so... There's some pieces there to work with, and obviously Denver's hoping that Hackett's the guy to put it all together. Third job was the Giants' job, which I talked about the Flores thing, but uh, they took Brian Dable, who's the former Bills offense coordinator. Now, we've been hearing about Dable for a few years getting a head coaching job. Now, Dable's credentials are he, you know, he's the guy who unlocked Josh Allen's potential 
turned him into the guy who came out of Wyoming where a lot of people were wondering if he could ever be an NFL starting quarterback to what he is now where he's legit top five quarterback in the league today maybe even top three so Dable's now going into a giant situation where his number one priority coaching I mean the quarterback situation with Daniel Jones it's to figure out what previous regimes regimes have done with him that hasn't worked and somehow get it to work with him because I do think Daniel Jones has some talent but they also decide whether he's the guy or not maybe they move on from him and you know you go with a fresh coach and Dable give him a fresh young quarterback and let them work it out because like I said he did that with Josh Allen why can't he do it again with another quarterback in this year's draft So the day ball move I do like, oh, I didn't say about Hackett. Hackett, I got to say, doesn't move the needle for me either because, like I said, the Packers were good regular season with playoffs. The offense seemed to really fizzle out. But Dable, like I said, like that move. The Bills' offense was, I mean, it was a little one-dimensional, of course, because Josh Allen was, you know, Mr. Do-It-All there. So hopefully, you know, he doesn't try to do that with Daniel Jones, but he doesn't have to because he has Saquon Barkley. But I, like I said, like the Dayball move. So I think that should work for the Giants. Uh, fourth opening was the Raiders job, which they got rid of. Well, John Gruden, you know, had his off the field situation. He was removed there. McDaniels, former Patriots offensive coordinator. So Josh McDaniels gets another shot at a coaching job. We know that he had the one in Denver, which was kind of a bumpy ride. You know, he was the guy who traded for Tim Tebow in the first round. Did win a playoff game with Tim Tebow, but that that move right there, plus the whole Brandon Marshall situation with him, led to him not succeeding there. That a couple of years ago he had this situation where he took the Colts job supposedly, but then backed out last minute. Now he's with the Raiders. Um, I mean, we saw what he did with Matt Mac Jones this past year. The key with the Raiders will be if Derek Carr is the quarterback there next year. Hmm, I guess it'd be maybe consistency because the Raiders sometimes would put up big, you know, big, big numbers in terms of yardage and points, but then they'd have other games where they'd really struggle. So I think Josh McDaniels is going to have to get some consistency with the offense, with Carr, Jacobs as well, because Jacobs had a down year last year. You know, McDaniels, we saw, you know, his offense in New England, they did rely on the run game as well. So maybe he could get more production out of Jacobs, which then in part takes pressure off of Carr and maybe gets them uh, to be more of a balanced offensive attack, which I think would be good for all parties in the rate with the Raiders. So I think it's going to be McDaniel's job there. Bring some balance to the offense. 
And I like that move for the Raiders. I think McDaniels can work with Carr because Carr has the type of skill set that would work with the offense that McDaniels has run uh, this past year with Mac Jones and the years with Brady. Of course, not the Cam Newton year, but I I think Carr is a good fit with McDaniels. So the next job, like I said, is the Vikings job, which hasn't officially been filled yet, but all reports are is going to go to Kevin O'Connell after the Super Bowl. Uh, He's the Rams offensive coordinator currently. So if he, you know, puts forth a game plan that ends up winning the Super Bowl, that's going to look even better for him going into the Vikings situation. But the Rams had a good year this year. You know, O'Connell might be a name that's maybe came out of left field a little bit, but um, I think it's a good hire. And I, I said before, I think the Vikings job is not as bad as some people may think it is. Yeah, you have Kirk Cousins at quarterback, but you could do a lot worse than him. You've got Dalvin Cook as your running back. Uh, you have uh, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen in your wide receiver group. So the skill position is pretty set. So with O'Connell, you're just going to want to elevate Cousins a little bit, especially with primetime games get Cousins to perform better in those games and in that division where Rodgers leaves that clearly the Packers will take a step back depending on how they feel it of course you have the Lions who are the Lions and then you have the Bears who are now going you know gonna be introducing a new coach this year they still have to figure out with Fields so O'Connor can get there get Cousins playing well, the Vikings could be a sleeper team to win that division next year. I mean, not a sleeper team, but, you know, a sneaky pick to win that division next year. How powerful is Cox Internet? So powerful that one day your daughter will be able to simulate a soccer match against some of the world's best players right from your backyard. Get gig speeds powered by fiber from Cox. It's internet built for tomorrow, today. Internet delivered through Cox's hybrid fiber coax network. Speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms and other restrictions apply. Why? Why? If you have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. So I like the I like the O'Connell move. I do. I do like that for the Vikings. Now the next job, the Jaguars job. So we know Urban Meyer had his thing off the field which led to him having to be dismissed down there they bring in Doug Peterson who haven't heard from Doug Peterson since his time with the Eagles he did win a Super Bowl there and I think that was something where between him and ownership bumping heads 
uh, he ends up leaving there. It's been a couple of years, like I said, so he's a couple of years out of the head coaching scene. But now he's back with the Jaguars. Okay, so for me, now, a lot of people do give Doug Peterson a lot of credit for his offensive scheme. He was, I believe he was Patrick Mahomes' first coordinator. I, I believe Peterson was there when Patrick Mahomes was drafted. Uh, moved on to the Eagles. He, like I said, won the Super Bowl with Wentz back when he was good. And uh, Nick Foles. So the production's there. I do think Peterson might be slightly overrated, but he did win a Super Bowl. So the experience is there. And I think, you know, the whole thing with the Jaguars is going to be getting Trevor Lawrence to cut down on turnovers, number one. Now, hopefully with uh, Travis, with Etienne, coming back off of injury this year you know maybe he's the guy who can become a security blanket out of the backfield you know you can also hand the ball off to him you know maybe he's the he's the type of multi-purpose weapon that can you know unlock something in the Jaguars offense because I mean that team it there's a lot of empty possessions last year So, Peterson, I I think that could work down in Jacksonville, to be honest. So, I'm okay with that hire. Uh, The Dolphins, like I said, that's where Brian Flores was fired. They bring in Mike McDaniel, who's the 49ers, who was the 49ers offensive coordinator. I mean, I got to say, he's probably the one so far out of these picks that I didn't really know much about him. And I'd watched some 49ers games, but honestly never knew. Well, didn't really hear about him. And I think it's because he's one of those coordinators that didn't actually call the plays because Shanahan's there. And we know that the 49ers are running Shanahan's offense. That's, that's, That's not to say he's not qualified for the job, of course, because... Yeah, even though Shanahan's calling the plays, I mean, McDaniel's on the headset, so he hears the plays going in. I'm sure he does, you know, stuff during the week and practice and all that, so it'll be interesting to see how he does down there. Uh, the key will be, I mean, I'm assuming they're bringing him in there to be, you know, Tua's head coach. So it's going to be... You know, getting Tua to take a little leap next year because there's there are weapons down there as well with uh, Jalen Waddle. I think they still have Devontae Parker, although he took a step back this year. Uh, you have Mike Kosicki, who believes a free agent, but if you can bring him back, you, you got a decent foundation to work with there. I mean, judging from the 49ers offense, I don't know if I don't know if McDaniel's gonna try to make maybe Waddle a Debo Samuel type. That would be something that'd be interesting to see. But um it's an interesting pick, but I'm all for 
you know, teams giving a new guy a shot over, you know, retread. So it'll be good to see if McDaniel can, you know, I guess succeed in his first job as a head coach. Now, in terms of is it a good move or a bad one, like I said, I think I'm intrigued by this one because I don't know if I like it. I don't know if I hate it. I'm intrigued by it, though. This next one, I mean, this one came out of nowhere. So the Texans, uh, who, well, they fired David Cully, even though he was a guy who a lot of people didn't see getting the job last year. They replaced him with Lovey Smith, who I believe was the Texans associate or assistant head coach or something like that last year, which I didn't know he was. I thought Lovey Smith was coaching in college somewhere for some reason, but uh, they're staying within the organization. So Lovey Smith is now the head coach. Like I said, this one came out of nowhere because it seemed like Flores might have gotten that job. I thought I was thinking that maybe the enemy would get this one as well. But by I mean Lovey Smith he's he's done pretty well as a head coach. Well not pretty well. That's a little bit of a stretch, but he's been okay as a head coach. I'll say that. Uh, with his time with the Bears, he was he was okay. I don't know if well, Lovey Smith has said that he likes Davis Mills. I was about to say, I wonder if they're doing this to try to get Watson back in the fold, but I don't, I don't see how Watson can play in Houston again. So I don't know. I guess I'm intrigued by this one as well. Because it just came in the left field. It seemed like they were going. I feel like it wasn't, they like interviewed two people down there, but it seemed like one of them was going to get the job. And then out of the blue, Lovey Smith's name was brought up. And the next thing I knew, he was getting the job. That's it. I don't know. I don't know what to think about that one. Uh, number one job there is going to be. I guess just get all around talent because we know that the Texans are going through a a rebuild right now. So just keep acquiring talent. Uh, whether Davis Mills is the guy or not, I don't really know that right now. Uh, he he had a rough rookie year, but I mean this is rookie year. I don't want to completely, you know, condemn him for struggling his rookie year. So do we get a second year jump from him? And if so, what does that look like? And what is his receiving group going to look like? We'll have to see. It's like I said, number one job for Lovey Smith. Get talent in Houston. Uh, Final job was the Saints job, which Sean Payton retired from or stepped away from, however you want to categorize it. They went ahead with Dennis Allen, who was the interim coach when Sean Payton left and the defensive coordinator. So he just, you know, will continue being the coach, just no longer the interim. 
guy and this one I don't have a problem with like I said he was the interim coach and they just gave him the title like you know that makes some sense uh, Keith there's going to be I guess the quarterback situation I believe Winston is a free agent do you bring him back I don't know they signed um, what's his name I'm blanking on his name the Swiss Army Knife dude oh come back to me um, what do they do with him? Do they try to, you know, get him through the offseason and OTAs, that kind of stuff, gearing up to be a every down quarterback? Do they just bring in a guy and have him, you know, bounce around the offensive formation like he did last year? Sometimes a quarterback, sometimes a tight end, backfield, a wide receiver, whatever. I guess figure out the quarterback situation. It's got to be the number one job there. You know, with no Brady, with the Bucks, we'll see what they look like. Falcons struggled last year. Carolina struggled last year. It's a division that could be wide open in the NFC South. So if the Saints can get the right guy at quarterback, you know, figure out with Mike Thomas, what happens there. The Saints are a team that could could be in play in that division for sure. So those are the nine openings. Um, of course, the Flores thing has brought out the whole minority hiring thing. So out of the nine jobs, we had Lovey Smith and Mike McDaniel, who's biracial. So uh, that's two. Yeah, so two out of the nine went to minority candidates. Which, looking around the league, you have what Tomlin, Ron Rivera. Is that it? I think that's it. So, I guess quickly, you know, like I get you want to, you know, be more diverse with your head coaches. I get that. I'm not really sure how the league goes about doing that because you can't force organizations to hire whoever. So I, I don't know. I just think it's something they're clearly going to have to work at. I, I don't know what the league can do. I honestly don't have a suggestion. Now the Rooney rule, I understand it. I, I, mean, I guess it's a f- good first uh, option, but clearly they have to do a little more after the Florida situation and all that. But I don't know because there are like a lot of minority guys as coordinators in the league. So I guess the the thing is going to be just getting them in front of these teams for a legit opportunity to, you know, interview for them. Then eventually, I guess I'm about to assume, eventually some of them will start getting these jobs. I don't know. It's, it's a tricky situation. 
it's definitely something that needs to be dealt with of course but i honestly couldn't tell you how i would have handled it if i was commissioner or whatever like i said two out of the nine you know that's something and the only like i said the only candidate that i guess shocked didn't get one was the enemy but it's the second time going through the hiring process so i don't know something in the interview i, I don't know but you know that's that's a guy who i think throughout all this seemed like he would have gotten a job I know a lot of people point to Todd Bowles and Leslie Frazier. I mean, I don't know. I have a feeling that those three will probably get interviews next season because obviously jobs are going to open up again. Some of these may open up may open up next year. Who knows? All this, well, the, I guess the biggest thing that come out of this is you know now the public eye is watching Goodell has come out and said that you know the hiring process and all that kind of stuff teams need to do better so I guess we'll see if he can come up with some some type of solution but I don't know it's a sticky situation it's probably going to be something that's going to be looked at all year because if you know some of these guys struggle I don't know. The question may be, would a B enemy have done better in one of these jobs? So it's it's probably something they're going to have to deal with this year, maybe next year, depending on how that hiring uh, cycle goes. But it is what it is. It's a tough situation. Um, maybe part of the process needs to be, uh, who was it? Jimmy Johnson said, you need more minority owners, and then that probably leads to more minority coaches. I know that there's with Byron Allen, who's a you know minority entrepreneur. You know, he kind of he does a lot of things. He was like a comedian. I think he has a media group, all this kind of stuff. You know, he's interested in buying the Broncos. Uh, he. He would be the first NFL owner if, you know, he does get that. Maybe that starts a new trend where we start seeing more and more minority owners, you know, getting in on, you know, some of these teams if some of them do come up for sale. So we'll see. We'll see how the NFL looks in like five years. Is it still something that we're talking about where, you know, we're trying to find minority candidates? To, you know, fill head coaching vacancies or will it be more of a norm in a few years where every cycle you're, you know, getting a couple of minority hires and all that. I don't know. But uh, you let me know what you think about the Brian Flores situation. Uh, do you are you on his side or you think maybe it's being blown out of proportion by him? I don't know. Let me know. Um, yeah, so uh, it is Super Bowl week. Um, probably, probably when I record Friday or Saturday, start looking at the game. But uh, I think the next episode we'll talk 
some NBA for the next couple, and then get into Super Bowl preview. And that'll take us through the rest of the week. But um, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully you enjoyed the episode. If you did, you know what to do. Hit like, subscribe, uh, share it with a friend, leave a comment, review, all that good stuff. Uh, if you didn't like it, that's cool too. Leave a comment as well. I mean, you're free to do that. And um, you know, follow me on Twitter, at Childhood Podcasts. Uh, I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago, the podcast is now up on Good Pods. And I will say, um, I kind of like how they have it set up there. So if you're looking for a place, like a one-stop shop to kind of get all the episodes and all that, you can go over to Good Pods, follow the show there, listen to the episodes there as well. Um, Of course, if you have your preference of where you listen to podcasts, podcast is available I believe at this point it's available everywhere so definitely make sure that you check it out and subscribe if you're on YouTube notification bell you know all that so uh, thanks again for tuning in Uh, be safe out there God bless I'll catch you next episode alright I'm out Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, Car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today.